0: Welcome to the Modern Mobility Podcast, brought to you by Modern Mobility Partners. This podcast is for transportation planners and enthusiasts who want to learn practical solutions to modern day transportation challenges. And now, here are your co-hosts, certified transportation planners, national experts, and thought leaders, Kelly Kemp and Kirsten Moat. Welcome to
1: Episode 7 of the Modern Mobility
0: Podcast. I am
1: Kelly Kemp. And I'm Kirsten Moat, And we are your fabulous co-host. In today's episode, we're going to go through seven steps to planning for a proactive grant strategy. And today we have a very special guest with us, Modern Mobility Partners co-founder, Jennifer Zahn, AICP, PTP. this American Institute of Certified Planners and Professional Transportation Planner. I feel like that was my little, little fast advertising text. You know how this goes at the end of the commercials. Anyway, <laughs> Jen has more than, I call her Jen, Jennifer, but I call her Jen, has more than two decades of planning and grant experience. And um Jen, it pains me to hear us say that when I talk about we have over two decades of experience because I feel that really ages us, but it is what it is. But, you know, we age gracefully, so that's okay. But anyway... Jen has prepared numerous grant strategies and grant applications and benefit cost analyses to support those applications across several states, including Georgia and North Carolina. So we welcome you, Jen. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to be at this podcast today to talk about the grant strategies. It's very exciting. I know. And,
1: and I'm so happy to have my business bestie here. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so,
3: um, Jen, I mean, you have a lot of experience in grants. To me, they're kind of a mystery, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I know. It's like you put in the work and prepare those applications, and then you are just having your finger crossed, and then hopefully you will hear the good news in the next couple of months from USDOT. So you're right. It is a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, I
3: mean, it really comes down to, you know, doing the best that you can do, being as competitive as you can be. And uh, I think a lot of that really comes to good planning and having a good strategy in place. Make sure that you're selecting the right projects for the right funding program and you're applying at the right time so that you can be the most competitive that that project has the ability to do.
2: I completely agree with that. And then, you know what, with the new uh, IAJA or infrastructure funding bill, there just, there's just so many opportunities out there now. So thinking about how much work it has been in the last couple of months, that kind of uh, opportunity uh, are just going to increase significantly with this new bill. So very excited.
3: Yeah, it's amazing how much has changed in, I guess, now over a decade. But I remember a decade ago when we were in the recession, <laughs> it was like, uh, there's no funding. There's no funding programs. So we're just going to plan and we're just going to hope that one day there's funding available. And look, here, <laughs> here we are. We have all these programs. We have this new infrastructure bill that has increased, uh, the funding amounts quite a bit. Um, so I, I feel good about where we are today.
1: I know, you know, it's funny that you say that, Kirsten, because I do remember 10, 20 years ago, it's like we do these planning studies and it's like, well, it's just going to sit on the shelf because it's never going to have money to fund anything. And now you can't get the planning studies done fast enough because they need shovel ready projects. because the money's there. So it's quite a different landscape. And then,
2: Kelly, to that point, I feel that as planners, we sometimes feel that our planning studies put on the shelf. But then this is the great opportunity to actually help with the grant strategies and do the grant applications and get additional funding. So the project we worked on, you can see that again, constructed and built in the next couple of years. So this is very exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's nice to see the fruits of our labor. Finally, let me give a little more background about, about grants in general, and then we'll get into, you know, proactive grant strategy and and why it's important and, and how exactly to do that. But so grants overall are, when we're talking about grants, we're talking about federal discretionary grants that are highly competitive and require a lot more planning and sometimes engineering in advance of the notice of funding opportunities. More than ever before, do we need to make sure we have that information. So we thought that with the new infrastructure bill, the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act, IIJA, and by the way, we actually just got done recording episode, I think it was what, episode six of the overall highlights and takeaways from the IIJA, the Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act. So that's a great wealth of information and good nuggets. So encourage you guys to listen to that as well if you haven't already. And then the next episode, episode eight, um, we're actually gonna be giving steps on how to actually complete a grant application. So back to what we're talking about here is the grant strategy, how to figure out which projects to submit for grants and make them more competitive um here in episode seven. So we thought that with this new bill it'd be a good time to talk about how to come up with a proactive strategy and help prepare our audience or our one listener as we joke around, although well no maybe it could be one listener. <laughs> so I don't know. For these funding opportunities before they come out to best position yourself. So over the past several years and through several administrations, um, these grant programs have been expanding and looking for more innovation in projects that are selected. And more recently, the United States Department of Transportation has incorporated equity and sustainability and resilience and climate change as required components of different transportation projects. And when we say transportation projects, we're talking about improvements to the transportation infrastructure. So that could be a roadway project, like an intersection improvement or a widening or a new roadway, it could be a transit project, a bicycle and pedestrian project, a technology project, it could be all kinds of stuff, a bridge project, so anything that's improving the transportation infrastructure. And most grants come out on a yearly or annual basis. And while the funding amounts and evaluation criteria for those grants may change slightly, the intent and the purpose of those grants is typically the same. So you can pretty much expect the same cycle each year, which helps yeah, planning. Kelly, I
3: mean, the problem is with these new criteria of equity and resilience and st- sustainability. They're all they're all great things that we need to be considering in our transportation network. But it, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is that a lot of the projects that have been making their way through the process from planning to design to purchasing right away. They didn't undergo some of these required analyses, right? Yeah. They, their mm-hmm. planning was done a decade ago and just wasn't really a consideration. And that's making it really difficult for project sponsors to decide which projects to submit because there's a lot of work that has to be done before it's, you know, quote unquote, shovel ready or close to construction and um, competitive for these capital discretionary grant programs.
1: That's a good point.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Kristen, I think you, you're absolutely right. Uh, there are a lot of changing in the transportation arena. And then there are a lot of focus, different focus as we talk about the merit criteria for those projects. And then that's why you need to have a strategy. That's why this is something we're going to talk about in the detailed steps next to knowing that a project should be fairly ready for construction So, and then to be competitive. And then also there are some of the things that you want to make sure you check the box because there are evaluation criteria that USDOT, when they're reviewing hundreds of those applications, that's something that they are looking for.
1: Yeah. And y'all, I'm just going to say it. Don't get caught with your pants down. You need to have a proactive grant strategy. So that way, when the notice of funding opportunity comes out, you're not running around like chickens with your heads cut off trying to figure out what project to submit for the grant. You want to try to have a grant strategy in advance so you know what's going to be most competitive. Yeah. I'm so, so sophisticated and fancy, aren't I?
3: <laughs> you're real, Kelly. You uh, talk no. to the people because uh, you're no. real. <laughs>
1: I'm so relatable.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so, you know, we're going to discuss the steps to, you know, getting this, to preparing a grant application in our next episode. But before we get into the steps to a strategy, just want to talk a little bit about these funding programs and why they're so important. I mean, one of the biggest advantages is that these programs, and especially under the IIJA, is more projects are going to get funded and ultimately constructed. Uh, you know, project sponsors in general are pretty constrained with the funding that's available to them. Uh, in many cases, it's derived from some sort of formula program at the federal level, or it's based on some sort of fixed income like property and sales tax. And that's more so at the local level. So these programs are really meant to give those additional resources to projects that provide a lot of benefit. To the public, but where the project sponsor just may not have quite enough funding to get it completed. So, also, what we're seeing as of late is this idea of being more equitable in project selection. So, we've we've already talked about equity quite a bit this season, um, but it's really important to note again this Justice Forty program, which intends to use forty percent of these federal grant programs in disadvantaged areas. So already right there, projects that have a larger benefit to communities who have lacked investment and are more susceptible to social inequities have a greater chance of being funded.
2: Yeah. And then one of the examples I want to actually mention here is Atlanta Beltline was just awarded over $16 million to help construct nearly two miles of the Southside Trail here in Atlanta. So this trail runs through the areas that have been historically underinvested, uh, that have low income and the higher minority than Metro Atlanta as a whole, just like what Kirsten mentioned about the equity side. And uh, I'm proud to say that Modern Mobility Partners completed the benefit cost analysis for this application. We are so proud of this funding that awarded and i very, very happy for our client, Atlanta Beltline.
3: So the other component that's been around for a while is, um, we're starting, we're seeing several projects funded in the last few rounds of these grant programs that are highly innovative or those that are moving towards clean energy and uh, electrification to help achieve more sustainability and reduced emissions. So I think that's another benefit that, that we're seeing come out of these is that we're starting to see some more clean energy projects. So before I turn it over to Jen, I just want to talk a little bit with you guys about what is our role as transportation planners. I know me, transportation planner, I always want to have a plan for a plan for a plan. (laughs) Um, I like check boxes. I I like planning out everything. But I think we have an opportunity to help project sponsors kind of think through their funding strategy for the next several years you know yeah. this is not a strategy for one year this is what is your strategy for the next 5 years
1: yeah and yeah. Uh,
3: help help them make decisions about which projects are going to be the most competitive mm-hmm. for each funding program and each year based on where they are in the process what kind of components they are they have what kind of additional analysis they may need yeah And really thinking through So Kirsten,
2: to that point, I already can see a big spreadsheet with a lot of matrix.
1: (laughs) Right. Right, We love our spreadsheets and matrices, don't we? We do. Yeah. And I mean,
3: and this is something that, that, you know, we've made a practice and and I've, I've seen other people do it too, where when you start thinking about implementing projects, especially for a big, like comprehensive planning project putting that mixture together, saying here are the funding sources that are available at the federal, state, regional, and local levels. And of all of your recommended projects, these are the ones that are eligible under these programs based on
1: the project description.
3: So even even that is a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and we've done that in a couple of areas now, and it's been very helpful.
3: Yeah. So um, Kelly mentioned episode six. We've been spending a lot of time Going through the new infrastructure bill. And by we, I mean Amber Berg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Going through ah, and really God bless trying. Her. I know. <laughs> Y'all, you have to listen to episode six if you haven't. It's very uh, informative. And she is very knowledgeable
1: on this new oh, bill. Oh, yeah. She's been living and breathing it since it came out. She's done yeah. a fantastic job. Yeah. yeah. And, then she,
2: um, but, and then she put a great fact sheet together for each one of those, mm-hmm. which I believe we're going to post it on the Modern Mobility Partners website, and it's a great resources for looking through the details for each of the program.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. But yeah, she's been going through really understanding the purpose and intent of all these new funding programs, changes to existing programs, understanding uh, the different levels of funding that's going to be available. And, you know, that gives us an opportunity to share that with project sponsors, but also share it with all of you all. Um, so you're very welcome mm-hmm. in advance. That's right. But, you know, I think there's lots of ways that planners can put together a strategy. And there's there's not one correct way, but uh, we've come up with seven steps to put together a comprehensive strategy, so Jen, I'm going to let you dive. Right yeah. Into so the it.
2: first step is to compile a universe of projects. So project sponsors or consultants that work for those project sponsors should work with all different departments to get a list of the projects that are in need of funding. And this project list should be a running list that will be updated periodically. So you have to. Look through your project list, adding new projects as they identified or remove the projects that already acquired funding or already completed and constructed. This is the first step. However, it's building the foundation of this strategy so you can always come back and then look through your list and making sure you have a complete understanding of what the candidate projects you can select from.
1: Yeah. And I'll just add, you know, a good starting point to get those universal projects or to create that list. It could be from either a metropolitan planning organization's long range plan or their transportation improvement program, which is a subset list from the long range plan that's uh, at least started uh, with some funding, either with, you know, engineering or right away or whatever. So it's just may have not have construction funding or may need more. Or the state DOT's work program, you can start with that and start filtering projects out that way. Or if you're a jurisdiction, a municipality, and you have a local sales tax um as a revenue stream, you may have a, a SPOS, special local option sales tax project list. And you may want to start with that and start screening from there. So those are just some thoughts on where you could start from.
3: And I'll just add one additional thing in there. It's really important that you talk to other Departments. Yes. Um, so, you know, if you're a DOT, make sure you're having conversations with your intermodal department who's managing FTA contracts. Oh, yeah. Because those transit pro- programs and projects may be eligible under these discretionary grant programs as well. Mm-hmm. And so there may be some good, innovative, multimodal projects that are, you know, maybe not your traditional roadway projects, but may be really competitive for these programs.
1: Yeah. And as you get more money for those projects, that's going to free up money to put on other projects, right? So it has a whole ripple effect. Yeah,
2: and uh, I would say not uh, at this point on step one, don't limit it on the project list to include as many as project as you can. And there are a lot of filtering process we're going to talk about in the next steps. But to get really a comprehensive list, that including different horizon year, different phases, and different uh, elements of the projects are the first step to, to, to consider. Then once you have that universe of project list, then the second step is to, to determine the project readiness. So this is very important uh, because for capital funding, USDOT, as well as many other agencies, want to fund projects that they are confident will be constructed. So there's project readiness as they evaluate uh, and then ranking different applications. They want to making sure that the sponsor can demonstrate that the project is nearing the end of the design phase and then ideally already have the right-of-way plan or right-of-way acquired uh, for that project. So sponsor can go through the universe of project and document the current phase. So like Kelly mentioned, there are different uh, work programs or long-range transportation program that have the list, but then you want to go through that list and then document what current phase and activities that project is at right now. And then what we are recommending is really prioritize projects have at least started the environmental process. Um, one of the things that they're going to look at is the risk, the environmental risk. So you want to making sure that you have already started the process. So the risk is low and then they are not really considered as back and forth and have issues with the environmental uh, impacts that could delay the project.
3: Yeah. I think that's a great point, Jen. <clears throat> and that's something, you know, that I think is really important for our, our one listener. <laughs> um it's it's not that you can't plan to go after funding for a project that's still in planning. In fact, there is planning uh money out there under some of these programs. It's just if you're looking for capital, don't do it too early in the process. Go ahead and prepare to put that application together next year or the year after because Quite honestly, that project risk is a major component for
1: the
0: evaluation.
1: But one thing you can do is when you're identifying the project, like identifying a brand new project, think about scope elements of that project that would be aligned with federal funding. So let's say it's a transportation project that it's just a roadway widening project. Well, instead of just widening the road from, say, two to four lanes, Look at, you know, bicycle and pedestrian improvements as well, including that, or maybe some innovative technology improvements that will improve safety for bicycle and pedestrians, you know, so just thinking through it a little bit more and including that in the cost estimate up front. So that when you are ready to go out for grants and Jelly, apply for I think them, you are already ahead of
2: our grant strategy. That's what we're going to talk about at the uh, step wh- three. Whoopsie.
1: <laughs> I, I, I stole your thunder, Jim. No, I mean,
2: I think that's really a good <laughs> point. I mean, that's exactly what we're going to talk about at the step three is to identify the major component of project and then consider some of innovative elements that open the door for some additional funding sources. So at this step, you're really trying to match the projects to the best funding sources. We are just super excited, as you heard from us before, to see this new infrastructure build. There are just so many more grant opportunities out there. So we are familiar with RAISE and the Infra, but then there are just so many more that including, you know, Mega, Project Resiliency Grants, SMART. I'm sure that Amber have already mentioned this in our previous episode. Um, so all of those have yep. a very different focus. They have different eligibility requirements and also competitive priorities. So, uh, I was using a rural service transportation grant as example. Uh, so this is a new $2 billion competitive p- grant program, uh, that will award the project only in the rural areas. Um, that will increase connectivity, improve safety and the reliability of the people and the freight, and the general regional and economic growth. So making sure that you go through those kind of uh, programs and understand the project component so they can kind of match together and then you can find what is the best program that you can apply the project for uh, discretionary funding.
1: Yeah, good points.
2: So the, let's move to the step four, uh, which is really understand the, the funding cycle. So Kelly, you already mentioned this. The funding program cycle, they are generally predictable. So with the IIJ, uh, it covers from 2022 to 2026. Last Thursday, the White House released a fact sheet of the discompetitive infrastructure funding opportunities. So in that fact sheet, you will find out um, there are already 25 uh, available or soon to be available sources uh, that local and the state government can compete and apply for. Among those 25 opportunities on the transportation, many of those will have application open in the first and the second quarter of 2022. Go back to what we mentioned before. This is going to be big. There are a lot of application will be submitted to USDOT for those uh competitive grants. Um so uh we would recommend, you know, on the, those each of the project in your list, make note of when those funding cycle is going to be and then when it's going to be due.
1: And I kind of feel like, you know, when you say that they're gonna be Releasing these notices of funding opportunity for many of these new or established sources of funding over the next few months. It's going to be like a free for all. I know. I can't already, um, I
2: can't already see that, um, Everybody is going to be busy and they're trying to get their stuff together. So Kelly, do you remember this is what, five years ago when we are working on (laughs) six or seven grant applications? It was seven,
1: seven grant applications at one time between the two of us. We did have some support, but it was, I remember it was like mostly the two of us, seven applications and we had six weeks to do it, I think. It, was, it insane. was insane. It was day and night it, for six weeks. Yeah, yeah, and
2: that's only actually for build at that time, and infra, build and <laughs> infra. So now we're talking yeah. about there are four. So there are infra and then there's race. There's also mega. uh and then the Rural Surface Transportation Grant I just talked about. So there are four different programs and then which they're all going to be released at the NOFO within the first quarter of 2022.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, this first year when you have a new authorization, a a new bill, um, it can be a little unpredictable about exactly when they're coming out. It looks like the White House is trying to do a good job of Giving everybody a heads up. Uh, Mm -hmm. But this will get easier over the next several years because once they kind of establish a cycle for these new grant programs, you can anticipate them around the same time of the year for the following, you know, three or four years. So that's a really good
2: point. Uh, I was, I'm mm -hmm. just thinking about how are we going to breeze through for the next three or four months? (laughs) Well, everything is coming out. (laughs)
3: No sleep. No (laughs) sleep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it takes about, you
1: know, each time they release a notice of funding opportunity, it varies, but it's usually like an eight, maybe 12 week turnaround. Like between the time the notice comes out and the drop dead due date. And there's a lot that happens between A and B.
2: Yes. So, so the rates, uh, the novel for the rates has not been completely updated. Uh, they still have the, the criteria, of course, for the 2021 up there. So you can take a look at that. But then the deadline for the rates application is already set. So it's April 14th. So like Kelly, what you just mentioned is less than 12 weeks.
1: Yeah, so and the the funding opportunity hasn't even come nope. out yet. But it's it's due out in no more than three days from now. So it's January twenty seventh when we're recording this of twenty twenty two. So we're expecting it out in three days. And when did you say it's April
2: fourteenth of twenty twenty two? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's like that's like ten wait, that's ten or eleven weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah step yeah. five of our grant
2: strategy is to really start to compile project documents and the information. Uh, I would say this step takes time uh, because it's actually pretty hard to get all the project documentation and the information together. And uh, it is very important and ideal that the project manager provides all the documents, data, analysis, reports, pictures of the projects ahead of the time before the funding comes out. And this will give, you know, whoever is going to work on the project uh, narrative and the benefit cost analysis some time to digest, get familiar with the project, and then start thinking about what are the key elements that they can use for for the grant application.
3: Yeah, I mean, so many times the first two weeks of that very short grant application process time, it's just... Gathering all the data and going through it, yeah. Working with the project manager, pulling reports that may have been done seven years ago, mm-hmm. but you needs you need some sort of traffic forecasting data or analysis that's been done. Traffic analysis has been done, so it it really does take take some time. And if we can do that before the funding notice even comes out that's two more weeks of writing that we can do our own analysis and reviews which is yeah. so beneficial to pulling together a high quality high competitive application
1: yeah
2: yeah yeah that would be the earlier you can start in the process the better for sure and then to that point I would say that is the next step is once you get that information together uh, you can identify, you know, whether you need to to do additional analysis. Like Kirsten mentioned, maybe some of the traffic analysis, impact analysis or traffic forecasting was done many, many years ago. And then there are new data or even safety analysis. There are new data really show the crash uh, locations, the fatality, that information out there. So you can actually Knowing what additional analysis will be needed. So I think one thing and then uh the tip USDOT have already given to uh everybody is they are looking for uh attractive application. Remember the key to attractive application for USDOT and the other funding agencies is really have a, a very compelling and then comprehensive story that demonstrated the the funding needs, the commitment, and the overall impact of the project. And then through the debriefs we had with USDOT is you need to have the data and then the technical analysis, whether that is more robust benefit-cost analysis all the additional you know equity and the sustainability analysis that Kirsten mentioned that some of the funding programs and that now they are expecting to see that information. So with that uh, additional analysis, then it will help you to present and then a clear and then full picture of the project impact that you potentially will get the the awarded funds. So really under this step is you need to determine, do we need to do additional analysis? And then if yes, how long it's going to take to complete that analysis? And then you will have a better idea about how long you can put a competitive application together and then whether that is going to meet the funding cycle and the schedule for the program you are looking for.
3: But Jen, I mean, I think that's okay, right? Like if you, if you have a project and you're like, ooh, we need to go back and we need to do a more thorough analysis to see, you know, what kind of impacts this has on this community or what kind of air quality impacts this has, at a more localized level. I mean, just because you have to do that doesn't, it's not a bad thing. It just may mean that you need to put that project in next year's. Yeah. Uh queue for funding applications and give yourself a little more time to really do the necessary work required to make it that competitive <clears> project <throat> you know i i think it's better to do that because you end up with a better project And you're not trying to fit, you know, a square peg into a circular hole. Yeah, Yeah. I
2: completely agree. As a matter of fact, I know that, uh, you know, Modern Mobility Partners, we have actually worked and helped our clients to go through this process. And at the end of the process, we actually our recommendation to them is let's not submit the application for this cycle, but then those are the yeah. recommended items you can do to really make it ready for the next cycle. So, I mean, like you said, it, it takes time. It takes a budget. It takes a lot of effort to put an application together. And when we're trying to put the application together, we want to be responsible and then knowing this is good application and covering all the aspects that USDOT is looking for. So I remember one of the debriefs we had is uh, talking about the bill grants. They probably, USDOT received close to 800 application together.
1: Wow,
2: man. So the percentage yeah. of awarded application is not that high. So we don't want to submit yeah. application for submitted application. We want to, when we submit it, we feel good about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. It, it's tough because sometimes you're in between a rock and a hard place, depending on your your position. But if you can, I mean, it is important to be willing to pull the plug on a grant application if the more you get into it, you realize this is not a competitive project. But all the more reason to have the grant strategy in the first place, because I can't tell you that that happens more often when there is no grant strategy and a project is just picked willy nilly. Because, you know, for whatever reason, and we're like, okay, we're going to do a grant application for it. And we get halfway through it and we're like, the data's not there. It's not ready. It's not competitive or whatever. And you got to be willing to make the call. Yeah.
3: And I mean, you can try, right? Like you can try to like make the best case with the information that you have. Yeah. I promise you the reviewers at USDOT sees right through that. Yeah. Like, if you start skirting around one of the requirements and you're like, well, um, yeah, we're, we're infilling sidewalks to make it more multimodal. Uh, and <laughs> we're, we're going to do this and it could, in, it could include some additional signage or some mid block crossings. Like, uh, uh-uh. it needs yeah. to have that in the plan, not. We
1: could do this. We might do this. Right, right.
3: Um, if you're not answering the question directly and you start skirting around it, they're going to see right through it.
1: Yeah, this is not their first rodeo.
3: No, no.
2: and and to be honest, <laughs> but, if you cannot convince yourself, you cannot convince them. <laughs> there's no chance. Yeah, I mean, they have they have 800 of these
3: to review, and there's some really yeah. great ones, and there are some really bad ones, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. All right. So our last step, uh, step seven, is to gather p- political and stakeholder support. Uh, we talked about some of the technical and merit criteria. Uh, we would like to think the best performing projects with the, the overall impacts, the ones that should be funded. But we also feel that Having a support uh, for a project by political leaders, business leaders, and the other stakeholders is as important as the performance of the project. They needs to be uh, committed. So before the funding notice is released, um, having conversation early in the process uh, about the project with those leaders to obtain the buy-in, because as the package, you need to have a supporting letters. And then if you can get the more supporting letters, whether it's from the political leaders, business leaders, other stakeholders, the local jurisdictions, that will help a lot to demonstrate the support from the overall communities for the project. And the requesting letter also takes time, uh, because they might actually get a different request uh from different sponsors. So you you need to have that conversation early in the process. So you can kind of having the time to really put in a very strong supporting letter deck uh, for your application.
1: Yeah. And one of the other benefits of, you know, in addition to making sure that you get the letter of support and that um, you get it in time, by having that proactive grant strategy and having those conversations early on with these elected officials in many cases, that's going to kind of plant some seeds and, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So if decision makers continue to hear about how great this project is and they're hearing about it over and over again, you know, it just helps build the case um, and garner support for the project, which is going to help make your grant application more competitive. This, this last step, step number seven, is just as important as steps one through six altogether.
2: Yep. So, yes. Mm-hmm. And then again going back to the US DOT reviewers. Um they're considering yeah. a lot of different factors. I mean, they are they have a checklist. They have a technical committee and then there's o- always uh, going to be a consideration of whether the support is there from elected officials, stakeholders and the political partners for that.
1: Yeah. Mhm.
2: So, all right. So at this point, we already, uh, went through step one to step seven. And then you should have a pretty good strategy for the grant application. You know, which projects are going to be more competitive for funding, uh, based on their merit criteria, their project eligibility, and then their, uh, uh, schedules. You know, if you need to do a more planning work, Uh, And then when you think what you want to apply for the funding, you have gathered the project information on the more pressing project. And then you also uh, are having conversation with the leaders and then getting the support for the projects. So that's a whole list of what you can do before the NOFO is released. A full funding grant strategies to get you ready for the next cycle.
3: Yeah. Well thanks Jen. I mean I I think this is really good information and you know it's it's not rocket science it, but it's also not easy to always convince others that this process is important. Yeah. So, you know, we we line it like yeah, you just complete steps 1 through 7 and you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but really it's it's a lot more work than that, especially if you are a project sponsor and you're trying to do this along with all the other responsibilities that you have and so you know you just you just try to chip away at it a little by little and you know this is kind of an ongoing process. so uh, appreciate Jen you you outlining everything is I, I think for me what we've talked a lot about garnering political support and I think that is very important yeah but just having some projects teed up, yeah. Having a handful of projects where you where you know you've got the information, you know that they're fairly competitive. Having those lined up is is so critical to this process.
2: Yes, I Kirsten, I completely agree with you. I think back to the matrix we talked about, we even mm-hmm. sometimes consider screening criteria. You don't need to get to the details. You can just have check marks saying that, okay, with this program, you know, what kind of things they are looking for? Can you Confidently say that we check the box for this project. And then if you end up having, you know, if they have seven merit criteria, you only checked box for three or four, then looking for some other project that has a lot of those um, boxes checked. Because even just the starting that kind of syncing and the screening will help you to really identify the competitive projects moving forward. I completely agree with you. This is an ongoing process. However, the earlier you can start the process, the better because you might not really have all the information in this year. However, through the next 12 months, if you can slowly get in the information into this big spreadsheet and the matrix, this is going to really help you for the next cycle in 2023.
1: Yeah. And, and one thing I'll add is, you know, oftentimes, we hear that folks are a little hesitant to identify projects that would be competitive for a grant because, you know, the thought is, well, whatever's got the political support is what the application's gonna be for. And I think it's a long term chicken and egg situation. Instead of thinking about it on a cycle by cycle, you know, effort and reacting, it's more of, okay, can we plant the seeds? to the elected officials as to what are the good projects that would be competitive for funding, they can then, you know, provide that political support and champion it. And then in turn, it comes back to us to do the grant application as transportation planners. So it's like a cyclical process, right? But you got to think about it long term. You know, the project you may want that may be most competitive this cycle May not have the political support or champion now, but if you can start, you know, garnering that support over the next year, the next cycle, it could very well be.
3: Yeah. And we talk about political support and, you know, businesses and stakeholders. Um, but I think what what we didn't really mention and, and probably should have is having that community support. Yes. Making sure that you're selecting projects that you have gone out, you have... You have talked to the community. You have evidence that the community supports this project. Yes. And then if you, if you did all of your public outreach, you know, kind of during your planning and during some of your design and it's been a while, you should probably be going back to those community leaders and uh, reassuring that you still have the support for the project. That's um, a really good So I point. think, I think that's, that's critical too. And I think that'll show. You know, a lot of um, merit in these applications. If you can say, "Well, not only do we do outreach when we needed to do outreach in the planning, but we're still doing outreach. Yeah, and we're still making sure that we have support."
1: That's a really good yeah. point. And and some of them, some of the um, grant application notices, a funding offer opportunity in the past, have even required you to outline what previous engagement efforts you've had with the with the public.
2: That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. then, um, to that point, the racial equ- equity is extremely important. So the communities yeah. as a whole, but then also, um, you know, the, the area that is underserved uh with uh with poverty mm-hmm. and the low income, making sure you really have the information on what you have done through the public outreach, and then what the impacts and the benefits this project can provide to those populations yeah. is extremely important as well so I was just saying yeah. that you know there there are just increasing opportunities out there, so uh no longer just rates and then infra there are just so many more notable discretionary funding opportunity there that opens door for different projects.
1: Yeah. So I think that about wraps it up. But Jen, I have to ask, as your first time podcasting, what do you think? It wasn't so bad, was it? You did
2: fabulous. Thank you. I am so impressed by our two co-hosts, Kelly and Kirsten. <laughs> I, know, I know this, we start, you guys started in 2021, but I think you guys are pro, like really fabulous. I'm so impressed about how smooth this is. And you make this a little, you make this very easy for me. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, we were glad to have you. Um, Again, Jennifer Zahn um, is also co-founder along with me with Modern Mobility Partners. And so she is a very special guest and national expert. And so we were happy to have her here. So uh, one thing I'll note is that if you are a nationally certified planner with the American Institute of Certified Planners, AICP, we are an AICP provider and this episode is eligible for AICP continuing maintenance credits or CM credits as all of our podcasts are. So if you want to if you've listened to the podcast and you can go to the American Planning Association website at planning.org and do a search uh for Modern Mobility Partners in the AICP um log and you will find all of our podcasts there. And if you want to learn more about how we can support you guys, you can find us at modernmobilitypartners.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and even better review our podcast. And you can find us on all your podcast listening apps.
0: And with that, we are over and out. Bye. 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 Thank you for tuning in to Modern Mobility. If you work for an organization that has implemented innovative and practical solutions to modern day transportation challenges and are interested in being on our podcast, email us at podcast at modernmobilitypartners.com. Want to learn more about our consulting services? Check us out at modernmobilitypartners.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.